My friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should have beens. That over there is Robert Harrison, and I'm Kevin Williams. I switched it up. You see that? Oh, yeah. It threw me oh, off. It threw off. I've been waiting patiently for this moment, Kevin. You get first. Oh, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh, shh. I don't have any fingernails. Get up. Get up. I, I didn't hear the psst. It didn't really. Well, <laughs> it just kind of went click. That was not my best performance right there. I'll take oh, it though. Well. I need it. Beer opened. Check. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I'm good. Mm, we had some good beer last that was night. Good. Yeah. This is good beer. This is what uh, is that beer? This is creature com- creature comfort. Bebo. Bibo. B I B O. That is a local Georgia brewery. Yeah. Creature Comfort local Athens, Georgia. Georgia. Yep. Northeast of us, a good bit. But yeah, last night it was Trace Riveras. Mm, no, it was uh, three taverns. Three taverns. Mm-hmm. Tres tavernas. Yeah, it was three taverns. That's also brewery local. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? it is a local brewery in yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. It was damn good. It's tasty. And I tried. I think I tried three different beers, and they were all yum. And you had a meat pie. And I had a meat pie. I think that's and my what nephew them. had two meat pies. Two meat pies. <laughs> he could handle two meat pies. He said, "Thank you, sir. Can I have another?" <laughs> I arrived a little late for the meat pies, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to do a concert review real quick and yeah. get that out of the way. Yeah, let's do that. So, who did we see, Robert? Uh, Fever Dog. What the hell did you just say? Yes, we went to see Fever. No, we saw Wolf Mother, yeah. and we just happened to see happened to see Fever Dog. Fever Dog, yeah. And I got home, and of course, couldn't remember the name of that band. I looked up Fever Dog, and there's very different res- search results in Spotify for that. There was some dance mix type song for that mm. name. So yeah, I just found out the real band. It was a the opening act was pretty amazing in the sense that the show they put on, they thought they were the main event, which is kind of fun because they had the swagger of a main event. They did every possible trick you could pull off including not one but two different solos where the rest of the band leaves the stage an the, opening band an opening band everybody leaves the stage the guitar player stays out does an extended solo uh, worthy of Eddie Van Halen the band comes back and then later band leaves again and the drummer does a drum solo and then comes back out and, they, and this is choreographed to the nth degree you could tell and it was a lot of fun to watch they were young kids they their, seemed young in their 20s apparently they've been around for a little yeah, bit yeah they've time, been around for nine years I let think. me just lay this out for people so wolf mother most people know wolf mother they had some big success what 15 20 years ago now yeah and you know they are kind of a retro rock classic rock kind of sound acid rock kind of sound hard rock whatever you want to call it but they're killer great band from australia and so the band they have opening for them fever dog comes out uh, the guitarist comes out first mm-hmm. and has a guitar synth going on he's not mm. even playing guitar it just sounds like synth and it and he's wearing this white kind of jumpsuit yep the zipper front jumpsuit yeah, yeah i mean it looks very much and the first thing i thought and even had um uh, like one sprig of hair that was i don't know was I it dyed or whatever yeah, it was glitter or something glittery and and they had a little bit of face paint on and so the first thing i thought was oh my god they're gonna give us exactly what angel used to be in the mm. 70s is exactly who they reminded me of and so he's doing like the synth thing kind of building up and 
then everybody walks out. Actually, they do kind of like a little run. It reminded me of uh, yeah. They the jog Partridge onto family. the stage. They kind of jog yeah. off. And they've, they've done this before. Very, so very Partridge like. family looking too. Yeah. Um, very seventies looking. All in the white jumpsuits. Every guitar player had a white guitar except for the bass player who did not get the memo. Had a lime green he, or yeah, teal green. Teal green guitar. Kind of like, stood out. I want to yeah. know what the conversation was behind the scenes. Like Steve, look, we told you. God, man, white. you had one job. We're all doing it's white. All white. You Which idiot. is exactly what Angel did in the 70s because yeah. they were on Casablanca Records and they wanted them to be the opposite of Kiss. I'm sorry, of... Um, that band that we don't talk I about. I did, I did say it. Yeah. Kiss! There's your first Kiss connection with a K because yeah. they even pulled out the Paul Stanley rants. And oh, God, in between the songs. The raps. Are you ready, people? People! So anyway, they, they look like Angel, and then they start playing, and they sort of sound like Angel, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I lean into Robert, like, oh my God, it sounds just like the sweet. Yes. And then later on, other songs it's, sound it's just like Kiss. It's exactly what it sounded like. So they, they ripped off everybody. Everybody. Not just not just Angel, not just Sweet, Kiss. I mean, they every all glam. The Nugent, Nugent, oh, yeah, there was not, a Nugent Not the visual. Moment. I mean, yeah. nobody's in a loincloth or yeah. swinging on vibe. And a song that was Stranglehold-esque. esque absolutely. So, yeah, they went down the list and just ripped off everybody, which if you're going to do that, that's how yeah. you do it. The solos were very much rip-offs as yes. well. <laughs> they, I would not consider any originality no, in those they were solos. not you know, enthusiastic solos, but they were cool. Yeah. Yeah, but they were, nonetheless, they were very entertaining. And even, like I said, the stage raps, they were doing the Paul Stanley mm-hmm. stage raps and really trying to sell the merch. They, you know, I was thinking, wow, who were these guys? And then I remembered, oh, oh yeah, we used to do that too. Yeah. We were just like that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Big Jack That was your job. Do. While I was tuning yeah. my guitar, you would go I was the hype shit. guy. Yep. Paying for the gas money home. Yeah. So they, they did remind us, mm-hmm. or reminded me a bit of our yeah, band, they Big put Jack on, they put on a show and on that's a show. A, that was our goal. We they commanded the audience. Our goal was not to have the best music necessarily, but we're our goal was to have the most fun. Right. And I think and I we think pulled these, that off. I think these guys were doing the same thing. Yeah. Now, I will say the, the two solos were unnecessary and should be dropped from the set, in my opinion. Uh, oh, I don't know. It was so cheesy to have two of them. Uh, it, but yeah, that, as the opening band, I don't know how the the main. I don't know how Wolfmother thought about it. They they didn't care at this they point. Must lo- like, they must love them yeah. because they gave them a long. They had a long praise. set. They gave them a long set. So I I think they're fine. I think they're buddies. Yeah. But um, the other thing is we ran into previous band members, not just one. <laughs> so we ran into Kent Oberly, who's been on the program. Uh, he and his girl Kiva. We ran into them, and my nephew was there. Camden was there with me and yeah. Robert, and then we ran into our bass player from. Mercy B. Which is Kevin and my Kevin Eyes, Kevin and Mines. What the hell did you just say? Very first band together. Which was more of an acoustic. Yeah, but Paul rock. had been in previous bands with you. Yes, yes. Paul was the bass player in Minor Earth and then also in Soul Speak. So yeah, it was a weird convergence of three or four different bands that we were joking that if we had tried to do that on purpose, that we never would have gotten everybody in the same room, but we just all ran into each other at the same concert. Yep. So what'd you think about Wolfmother? Loved your, it. Loved I, it. I did too. It was so bare bones. It yeah. was just pure rock and roll. I did miss the Hammond. I, that's one of my I favorite things. His own mother, when he just starts yeah. banging away at that thing. And it goes crazy. They do it in the video, but on oh, woman, yeah, I'm, yes, and mother, woman, yes, and they still pulled it off well, though. He he went into some guitar solos in the middle of that in exchange for the uh, Hammond, so I think he made up for it. Andrew Stockdale is just awesome. He's that guy got is a so really good. high voice that he's able to pull off some crazy high notes even after twenty years, and then 
playing great guitar riffs while he's singing. That was that's what I was going to mention. Is he's one of those guys that can play the rhythm and the lead at the same time and, and sing. sing because he would like play the main riff and you wouldn't miss it. You wouldn't miss a beat, even though he would kind of lay off for a second to play you know a little bit of lead mm-hmm. bits here and there, but you wouldn't miss the rhythm being gone. It, yeah. I, I don't know. There's a certain finesse to doing that because your timing has to be perfect. And it's funny that I had been listening to Wolf Mother, I think, for two or three days before I saw the ad let me know they were coming in concert. So it worked out perfectly that I had gone back and kind of refreshed my memory on some of the deeper stuff before the show. Uh, so, yeah, if you have not checked them out or you're not a fan necessarily, go back and listen to that. It's really good hard rock. This, you know, three guys making a lot of noise, very similar to another band we don't talk about from way back when. It, um, what, what's their name? Uh, Rush! And that's your Rush Reflection with an R. Ooh, I like that. Bam. <laughs> Copyright. Nice. Well, that's you from now on. You yep. have to come up with one every episode. Every damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Never mind. You heard it here, folks. All right. Well, what else is going on? I, I agree. I think Wolf Mother was amazing. They're one of my favorite bands from the 2000s mm-hmm. and remain killer. I actually, I felt bad because I didn't know that they had released another album in 2021. I mm-hmm. missed that album somehow. So I was digging through. It's like, Playing oh, catch maybe, up. I was like, oh, maybe they're promoting a new album. And yeah. I go and look and I'm like, damn, that album's been out since 2021. I've never heard of it. new, but new to you. But that's what they were promoting. It's new to Kevin Williams. Yeah. So I felt bad about that, but it's really good. Yeah called Rock Out. It, they did. And Thankfully, that's what they did. They just left it there. Yeah. Nothing but a curtain behind them and some lights. Yeah. Oh, that was the other that's thing. It. The most minimalist stage show, not even their name. No. Now, most bands that will do a banner or something behind them so you can remember who you just paid money to go see. Or you look on the kick drum. What was on the kick drum? Nothing. Nothing. It was black. Yeah. They were like, if you don't know who we are at this point, you've bought the tickets. You know, you've waited in line. You don't need to know who we are. We're nameless from yeah. Australia. Just badass. Yeah, it really was. A lot of fun. A lot of noise from those guys. A lot of sound. A lot of power. First mosh pit I've seen in a while. I know. <laughs> just, they, they were moshing to one of the, uh, I forget which song it was, but it was one of the more folky songs. Yeah, it, it has it, like a fast beat in the middle, and they were moshing to it. Yeah, it, it wasn't what I expected them to. <laughs> but these guys were all in their, I would say, late 20s, early 30s, which yeah. puts it, that was their high school, high school time, music. Yeah. And these guys that were just reliving their high school days. So th- that was a lot of fun to see because it stayed about six people in front of us, which is perfect. <laughs> we were in the right spot. <laughs> yeah, I was eating chicken wonton or something with chopsticks. So this venue is called the Eastern. It's a brand new venue, maybe not brand new, a year or so old, but it's really nice. I mean, this is how venue should be. Plenty of restrooms, plenty of bartenders, and they had some food you could order because it had been, God, an hour and a half, two hours since I'd eaten. So I was dying. And so I, middle of the show, in between the two acts, I went and got some food and rocking out, eating some food. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is what's been missing from a lot of concerts. This just some good food. I agree. There's nothing wrong with that. I agree. Nothing unrock and roll about having some good food while you're rocking out. I've never seen anyone eat out of a to-go Chinese <laughs> box with, with chopsticks, chopsticks with chopsticks during a concert. Yeah, and you raise the chopsticks up with like rock and roll devil horns. It works. <laughs> Extended devil yeah, horns. And if that mosh pit came in closer, I was going to yeah, start stabbing people in the eye. Poking eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Get back. <laughs> Idiots. Anything else that we need to let the people know? You mentioned last time that there may be a reason for me to play some music, but... Nah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't have time, man. Well, I made a. I was supposed to do that today, but I made a. Uh, All right. Yeah, I've been no. I've been I've been playing with the balls. You've been playing with your balls. Playing with my balls, but okay. they're not.
not quite ready for public consumption yet. So we'll save that for one more week. But yeah. So what's what do you think your most expensive mistake is to date? My most expensive mistake. Yeah. That cost you money. It has to be a car accident, I would assume. Yeah, that I could see that. I but, can't but think it, of anything. But insurance bigger. pays for it, though. But insurance it? pays for that. Yeah. Oh, huh. I'm, Nothing's I, coming to mind. I, I think you probably have something. Yeah, just this is the latest. So the, my oh. latest mistake cost me four thousand dollars today. Oh, a little one. Four thousand dollars. Yep, that was it. What did you do? Chump change. <laughs> I didn't notice that my painters had painted about four or started to paint four rooms before I could tell them, hey, those aren't included. Oh, so because they had started like sanding and prepping, we had to finish the job. I couldn't just leave it like that. So you had to pay for that. Yeah. Out of my pocket. Because the painters wasn't their mistake. That homeowner is so happy. Right yeah. Now. They're getting an entire like, and this is a mansion, uh, you know, a big buckhead. Yeah. These mansion. are big rooms. Yeah. This is not like a tiny little mobile home <laughs> full of rooms. No, these are huge. So it's probably. These are $4,000 rooms. 2,000 square feet extra that nice. I didn't charge for. And uh, I'm having to pay the painters. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. <sighs> Dumb Great. Ass. Dumb ass. Oh, my God. Now, why is it not their fault? Why is it your fault? Because you didn't I, tell them I not didn't. to. I, it's, it's my job. I, I have to be clear about things, and it's my job to clarify what they need to do. I'm the GC, and therefore, it all comes back to me. It, was, uh-huh. it wasn't their fault. It was a miscommunication, but it was a miscommunication on my part, so I can't make them do it for free. Okay. That would hurt them a lot more than it would hurt me, so got to take it up the shorts, man. Take it up the shorts. Yeah. Ow. Ouch. It, okay. Oh, yeah, that hurt. All right. Yeah, then I'd tell the homeowner. I'm like, yeah, I'm that dumb. Yeah, we're up there because he asked me. He's like, oh, we didn't ask. I'm like, yep, I know. You didn't ask for that, but we're doing it anyway. Guess what? <laughs> just a little present from us to yeah, you. Yeah, just because I love you guys so much that we're just going to do it out of the goodness of my heart, mother son of a God <laughs> Well, you know what you should have done. After you spend $4,000 on absolutely nothing, go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock. Slamfest Podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Shout It Out Loudcast, The Ron Keel Podcast, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retrozess Podcast, and Doomed! Forget about Monty. Hey, 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 it's Monty. Monty's Rockcast. Come visit us in Obscuria.com, like us. Share us, Facebook, X, Instagram. I haven't checked any of the sites for reviews, so maybe we have one. Maybe we don't. If we don't, mm. I'm going to cry next week. I don't even know how to log into the other ones. I can get on the Facebook account, but not the Instagram or anything like that. The Instagram. Nope. Mm. I see a bunch of people jumping off X. Oh, do I? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, every week there's another reason to do that. Yeah. So I don't know how long we'll be on there. Yeah, maybe, just, maybe no reason. Just let it linger. Know. You got to let it linger. That was a good song. That was a good song. I like that one. She's no longer Not when I sing it, though. No. Not really good. No, no. Not, me, me neither. Not I good at all. I can't pull off a cranberry. All right. So, Robert, this week, I just got to tell you, ever since the Marvelous 3 reunion. Oh, that was so good. I have just been nonstop revisiting a genre that sometimes I'm at odds with. Mm-hmm. It's one that I love, mm-hmm. but in the past, I've found it a little embarrassing, like, to roll down your windows on your car and, <laughs> and blast this kind of music. It's definitely a guilty Look, pleasure. A lot of guys like Taylor Swift. It's okay. You can well, admit it. Well, yeah, you know, 
That's where we're going. Def- this is definitely a guilty pleasure. Um, Let me get my phone out. I'll say the benefit of age has allowed me to just not give a shit anymore. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I am in my life. I yeah. really don't care what anyone thinks, and I don't know why I ever did. I like what I like, and I don't care if it's syrupy sweet music. So this week, we are going to revisit episode 206, Reigniting Power Pop, Volume 3. <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat with you. There's, it's a love-hate relationship. It's one or the other. And it can be like sometimes the same it's band. a little too sweet and yeah. syrupy, and other times it's just like I just love it. I don't care. Right. But, but we'll even go. the same song, six months apart, maybe right. I might love it then, and then yeah. six months later, I'm like, no, no, yeah. too much, too, too, yeah. <laughs> too much sweetness, too much sweetness. But, so we've talked about this obviously twice before in other episodes. The phrase itself we've mentioned. The little Petey Townsend came up with it in the late '60s to describe the Who. Mm-hmm. That's where power pop came from. And it is what it sounds like. It's syrupy, sweet pop music with a little bit of extra oomph. Mm-hmm. A couple of windmills on the guitar. Sometimes not as much oomph as you might want. That's that's why I'm kind of, some days I'm like, ah. yeah. In other days, it's like, oh, it's just good. It's great, no matter what. So we covered it in episode 74 and again in episode 113. And we covered various decades of it. So it's established itself in every decade since the 60s, since the term was first brought up by Pete Townsend. So in the 90s, we've played bands previously like Sloan and Space Hog, mm. you know, which you may put in the alternative category because it was the 90s, but it really is power pop. We played from the 70s, we played the Babies, we played Stars, and then from the 80s, we played Enough's Enough and Hoodoo Gurus and a ton of other bands. So, you know, you can put some of these bands in other categories, but really when you look at it, it is just power pop. It is a pop song that has a little bit more edge to mm. it. So it incorporates a lot of hooks, vocal harmonies, usually very energetic performances. This is usually the stuff that's really good live, like The Marvelous 3. Usually pretty happy sounding, which is why I have a love-hate thing with it, because mm. sometimes I just want some darkness. Yeah. I don't mean the band The Darkness, although I do want, want that. that. Yeah, although I do want that. But no, I'm just just something a little bit darker is usually where I go with music. Here you get pretty happy stuff. And there's usually a, there is an underlying sense of kind of longing and despair in the lyrics, but mm-hmm. not really in the music. So we're going to just kind of jump in. Like I said, it spans new wave, punk, glam rock, pub rock, college rock, psychedelic, whatever other labels you want to put on it. But when it comes down to it, we're talking about power pop. And we're going to start with the band that we last played on episode 181. I'm sure you remember that one well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Completely start to finish. Got it right here. This band was covering an Eddie Money song on that episode, Take Me Home Tonight. They were covering, it was one of our cover episodes, and we both enjoy their covers so much, we said, man, we need to revisit this band. So you know what? We're going to revisit this band. Mm -hmm. And you could call them a pop punk band. I'm going to call them a power pop band. So they're from Marysville, Michigan, formed in 2003. Their name is Every Avenue. All of them. All the avenues. All of them. Every single. Third, 12th, 11th. So we weren't familiar with them before, and I'll just kind of go over this again. They did fairly well, but I was not aware of them until the album where I got the cover song that they did, which was a Pop Goes 80s cover album. Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard of Every Avenue, but apparently in 2009, their second album reached number 136 on the Billboard 200. In 2011, 
their final album, it peaked at number 63 on the Billboard 200. So, you know, they just didn't know about them back then. And they were one of those bands, Warped Tour bands. They um, sort of fell into obscurity after the whole pop punk era faded. Mm -hmm. But I think they're great, and I think they're definitely a power pop band. It's fun to say, power pop band. Yeah, microphones love it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play a song from that album that did really well, the one that went to number 63 on Billboard. The album is called Bad Habits. I'm going to play a song called Tie Me Down. Mm, It's not Friday night. What the hell did you just say? Okay, we saw what he can do with a twenty-two rifle. Now let's see what he can do with a tactical 12 gauge. Okay, get it. <laughs> Holy shit. Classic rock and roll tambourine. 
and hand claps. So I, I was going to say, let's check off the power pop uh, boxes yeah. checklist here. So tambourine, tambourine check. check, hand claps check, check. Uh, did we have uh, some oohs and ahs? Yes, yes, check. Three part harmonies, three part harmonies, check. Yep. Uh, could you do the white person dance very easily to it? Even I could. Okay, check. Yeah. Check. I, I think it covers it all. I'm pretty sure this is a power pop song. Yeah. And the intro reminded me of Thanksgiving's past. (laughs) That is exactly what my family sounded like on Thanksgiving because we would usually go to my... Except they didn't have Chicago accents. Oh, sorry. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Hey, Bob. That's why I'm getting... Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. No, it was I. So, um... No, my family actually didn't have that bad of an accent. They were mostly educated, <laughs> but everybody else did. Yeah, we go to my grandparents' house. But you house. were still rednecks. Yeah, still. Oh, we were educated, right? Good old right. boys. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, but right down the street from my grandparents was my uncle's farm, and we would end up over at the farm at some point near the day, which means guns would start coming out of the trunks of cars. And like, hey, look at this one I got. Oh, look at this one. I got this. Oh, let me shoot that one. Okay. And things would be shot, and guns would be fired, and, and then we would set something on fire, like a bonfire, because my uncle would normally have like pushed together some brush into a pile just to have something to burn and you know people wonder where my proclivity is to set things on fire and I'm like well you should have been there <laughs> Thanksgiving yep. and Christmas and 4th of July and uh, you know firework time any family event any family event something. there were guns fireworks and fire and this is a coming from let's see one uncle my, my there are three brothers my dad the Baptist minister second brother master's degree in horticulture super smart biochemist type person third guy principal of a school so you put all three of them together and it was just anarchy on mm. Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know what that is? <laughs> American. That was American right there. So yeah, I had a very good upbringing. Very well-rounded. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, well, every Thanksgiving for me was on a farm as well. Same thing? Same thing. Well, we weren't shooting guns though. Oh, okay. But we still, out in, out in nature. We, what were you doing? Well, we did have bows. Oh. <laughs> so we were all bow hunters. Uh, but it's a lot quieter. See, you've got better hearing yeah. than I do because yeah. we never wore hearing protection. Yeah, and then my cousin Ken would end up shooting the bows or shooting the arrows at um, you know cars and oh, that's things passing good. and really get in trouble. And so tell me, did he ever? Windows did you or him ever decide to shoot it straight up into the air? Of course, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And then you have to disperse yeah. and figure out exactly where it's going to come down. What's wrong with you? Yeah, the scaredest my nephew has been was the day he did that, and it came down onto the hood of my four-month-old Dodge Charger. Oh, put a big dent right in the middle of the hood. Still there? Uh, no, because after one of the three or four times other people hit me, it finally got. I paid extra to have that taken out. But no, he was scared. He thought Uncle Robert was going to strangle him, and I I thought about it, but it, it quickly dissipated too. You know what? I've done much worse, so I better show him some mercy. <laughs> All right. Well, that Every Avenue song came from 2011. Very much power pop. It could have been from the 90s yeah as far as uh, that's the other thing there's so many different eras that that same exact song could yeah. come from the, the only thing you could tell is that the recording is really good yeah so it couldn't have been from the 70s or nah, 60s nah. but still has Maybe the same appeal all right the next band we're going to play is from the year 2000 in the And this is a band that I did not know about until reading a social post from Mr. Mike Portnoy, of all people, Mr. Prague drummer himself. He was going on a rant on his social about The Marvelous Three this year and about how how did he never know about this band. That's a good rant. Yeah, no, it was a good rant. He was like, how did I never know about this band? I even know Butch and I don't know. (laughs) I never knew of this band and how did I miss them? Apparently he's a huge Beatles fan and and really the Beatles and the the Who and 
Mm-hmm. Not so much the Stones, but I think those two bands really, that's what power pop's based on. Of course. You know, all the harmonies and, and the, the tambourines, the chunkies, chunky guitars here and there. So he knew Kinks. Butch as a uh, producer. Yeah, so he really knew Butch think as, of, as a solo artist and yeah. as a producer, but he just, he never heard of the Marvelous Three back in the day. I guess he was touring with Dream Theater. He's he a little just, busy. He's running in different circles. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't on too many stages. The antithesis <laughs> together. of pop is that band. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you strip down all of the virtuoso shit they did, like they had songs and, well, I guess they still do. They're yeah. back together again. But they have songs and they have harmonies. So mm. they, they, it's in but there. It's buried deep. But they're five minutes long. But Exactly. You know, <laughs> 20 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's going on about power pop, about Marvelous 3, and he said, you know, I knew I love Jellyfish and I love Fuzzbubble, but I had never heard of Marvelous 3. And I'm like, Fuzzbubble? Fuzzbubble. Fuzz Google. I am not familiar with Fuzzbubble. Who is this Fuzzbubble he speaks of? And so they are an American power pop band from Long Island, New York, active from 1995 to 2001. They were signed by Diddy. Sean Puffy Combs signed them to Bad Boy Records Mm -hmm. in the 90s. I don't know how that works out that Sean Combs actually signed them, but Mm -hmm. he he did. So at that point in time, he's still Puff Daddy before he was Diddy. Then Piff Diddy. I don't know. God confuses me with his names. Daft Pity. So in 1997, they actually contributed a rock remix of a Puff Daddy song called It's All About the Benjamins. And then a year later, they had a track on the soundtrack to Gojira, I mean Godzilla, and they performed a song on the soundtrack for South Park. (laughs) But yet I had never heard of them. Then they leave Bad Boy Records and whatever, you know, they put out some more albums. I just never heard of this band. Three full-length albums from 2000, 2002, and they actually put out another one last year. They got back together in 2022. I'm going to play from their 2000 album called Fuzz Bubble, which is the name of the band, Fuzz Bubble, and this song is Big Time Nowhere.
All right. Most of the items checked off, but not all of them. There's no power pop hand clap, I don't believe. I did not hear a hand clap. But they here. made up for it with an Acapulco section. <laughs> yes, they went they to Acapulco. singing Acapulco. Yes, they um, were. That was, and the guitar had a little bit of quirkiness to it, which puts it in my personal sweet spot because pure power pop a lot of times doesn't really grab me. Marvelous 3 is the exception. They don't do right. a whole, they're just straight ahead. They don't make any apologies about it, but it's so heavy and so well done that that's okay. A lot of other power pop that's just kind of vanilla doesn't grab me as much, but you put- I'm glad you said that. A little yeah. bit of quirkiness or weirdness yep. in it, and all of a sudden you've got my attention. Which is, I think, a lot of people talk about jellyfish, and they were like, mm. I think that you're right. It's the quirky ones that make it a thing for yeah. me as well. Like jellyfish is super quirky. Like you'll be rocking out, and then all of a sudden they'll go into like a banjo section or something like completely weird with <laughs> right. horns you know it's just right bizarre but i think it's the bands that because it can come across very vanilla like i was talking about the white boy dance yeah. like if you can white boy dance the whole time yeah the first yeah. one was a formulaic if you want to write or play really good power pop or not good but just authentic power pop do everything that band just did but if you want to stand out you go just a little bit to the left or the right of that yeah, I agree with that. Very much so. Okay. Now, two episodes ago, we talked about Rockstar Spawn. Not the, spawning, but... Not spawning. Not no, the act we, of. We, no, we, we talked about the hatching yes, of these little The end stars. results. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned the son of that platform boot wearing dude with the hairy chest and... The Todd Rundgren. Star on his face. Oh. Bootsy Collins. No, Bootsy Collins. no, it wasn't Bootsy. Uh, it was... Um, Sting! No, no, no. Sting, no. <laughs> I'd love just, to see Sting in some platform fun, shoes. It's just fun in to say. Yeah. I had to say that. Yeah. And I think it was uh, that guy, Paul, from... Uh, Kiss! Two. There's your second Kiss connection and with Kiss. And he woke, woke the dog up. Yeah, it's usually the first or the second. He had to scratch one. anyway. See, so he's oh, scratching. He was playing it off. I was like, no, that's cool, yeah, man. No, I was, no, no, no. I'm I woke up to scratch, not because you said the, the Kiss word. Yeah, so we talked about Evan Stanley a couple episodes ago, and we played his new band, Amber Wild, but we also mentioned that he used to be in a power pop band called The Dives, and I thought they were from L.A., but when I was doing a little reading on them, they're actually from New Jersey, so I'm not sure how that all worked out, but anyway, I saw this band on the cruise that I went on, you know, the cruise with the K, yeah, that cruise. The cool cruise? Yes. Yes, yes, the cool cruise with K. 2017-ish, I don't remember which one it was, I'd have to look it up, yeah. and I don't really feel like doing that, but anyway, I saw them, well, they 2016 played- 2016 was the one that- I was on. So it must have been the next one. The next one, one, yeah. Yeah. And they did like the pre-party, and then I believe they were on the boat as well. So I was home a couple times. Evan was one of the guitarists. He would sing, he sang a couple of leads, but mostly it was another guitarist who did most of the lead Mm -hmm. vocals. Uh, They were really talented. They put on a great show. It was, you know, checking all the boxes of what a power pop band does. Ace Jr.? Ace Jr. No, it was not. I don't remember what it was. That would have been great. Well, the funny thing was they looked very... um, out of place with the rest of the groups on the Kiss Cruise. Well, because they were under 40? Well, that's part of it, but they also just didn't have that rock look. Oh. Like, they were all short-haired. They all kind of had this clean-cut more look. More like Weezer. Exactly. They, yeah, they looked much more, and they didn't even look that grungy or alternative. They were a little, a little too clean Wasn't for that. Wasn't the bass player last night for Wolfmother? Exactly. That's what they all looked like. He just like, like that guy. A, a you know, chemical engineering student from Georgia Tech. He probably was. <laughs> That's what these guys all he looked, looked like. He looked really smart, too. Mm-hmm. But you know, He was a good bass player. Great bass player. Had a badass distorted bass tone. Yeah, it was nasty. But anyway, that's exactly what this band, The Dives, looked like. So they kind of stuck out a little bit, but they were they were kick-ass. They were great. Evan left that band after a couple of years, and they continued on as a trio, and it looks like they were playing... It looks 
I don't know. I can't figure out if they're still together. It looks like their last post was last year when they mm. were playing some shows. So I'm not sure what they've done this year. Maybe they're not together anymore. But all I could find was the one EP that I had with Evan. But even that's not on iTunes anymore. They do have four singles released, a couple singles in 19 and a couple singles in 2021. But I don't see the 2017 EP that I bought back in 2017. So I don't it's know. Where for just disappear like that. Yeah, kind of weird. But anyway, I do have that. I'm going to play from that EP with Evan playing on it. The EP is called Everybody's Talking. And even um, even Discogs didn't have it listed. So I, I thought it was really weird. Is it a concerted effort? I don't know. That's, it, we'll have to do a little more digging. Is it getting digging. canceled? I, that's what I'm wondering. Like, oh. what happened that they are trying to erase this EP? Well, we're going to play from it. We're going to do it. We're rebels. We're, right, that's Fuck right. You. It's like pirate radio back in the day. Screw you, man. We're going to play the very, very check every box power pop song called Anticipation. up a heavy Elvis costello vibe. I was that. thinking the same thing. That's very Elvis Costello, oh. which his first, uh, especially his first, uh, you know, attractions, albums, yeah. and all that stuff, they, they kind of considered it punk, but it was power pop. Yeah, it, it, when people call it punk, I kind of side-eye that. Yeah, like, yeah I, would, I, I would too. I would I, never call Elvis I'm Costello I'm sure punk. you could make that connection somewhere, but for me, I mean, radio, when he did that, it was a very rebellious song. 
but still, uh, yeah, okay. You can call him punk if you want to, bless your heart. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> so that had most of the things, once again, they're leaving out the power pop hand clap. I thought I heard one up Did you at the beginning, but maybe it was just me putting I, it there in my head. I don't know. I was but there was my, definitely uh, a beard. lot of tambourine. Lot of, yeah, Even at the end, there's a little tambourine solo. Yeah, it's danceable. So mm-hmm. all that. But yeah, they got to work on the hand clap. Tell you what I liked a lot was Evan's lead in the middleman. He's got some tasty chops. Yeah. He's got a little bit of that from his dad. Well, I mean, Paul didn't play that many. He plays a few, but not many leads. Uh, When Ace was too drunk, he certainly did the time we saw him. (laughs) Well, this is true. Elbowed him out of the way. We actually got to see that in person. I remember Ace. That was on the, I guess that was the farewell tour. Yeah, the first of many. Remember Ace sat down Uh with like a Dixie cup. Yeah, there was something. Sat like, down, they had a red Dixie cup, and he just started drinking. Drinking right on, <laughs> in the middle of the show. And I thought by now, I was like, okay, that Ooh, was in the past. Yeah. You know, we heard those stories. Right, he was all clean. No, apparently not. <laughs> and stood up. He was and drunk I, as I didn't hell know what was show. going on. You know, I thought it was part of the show at first until yep. I realized, no, Paul just pushed him out of the way and started singing the words. It, it the was, uh, he was supposed to sing 2000, man. That's the Rolling Stones cover song that Ace sings. Yeah. And he got up to the mic and couldn't remember a single word. Yeah, and he just, like I said, just walked the over way. and gave him the elbow, and, and he's oh, oh, oh. <laughs> fell out of the way. But yeah, that we got to see Ace in his prime drunkenness right there when he was supposed to have been clean 20 years ago. Yeah, that was, I believe that was 99. That was the farewell tour. Yeah. That was Imagine Ace's that. farewell. Yeah, that was, it wasn't the band. It's like, see you, Ace, you're out for good. Yeah, pretty much. All right, well, let's go to a group that has a very, very close tie to a 90s alt power pop band that you and I really, really like. Ought or alt? Alt. Okay. There's Alternative. The, there's the aughts. You know, no, not an aught. No, this is a 90s band. I guess they went into the aughts. Yeah. But we both like this band. I will mention one thing and you'll know who the band is I'm okay. talking about. The drummer played keyboards at the same time. Oh, yeah. And we got to see him twice. We got to see him before fame and after fame, mm-hmm. which is a different really cool. size venues and different clothes. <laughs> they had a lighting show. They had fancy instruments. And who so, are we talking about? Yeah. Semi sonic, not completely yes. sonic, yes. just semi sonic. Semi sonic. So this group we're about to play is the precursor to semi sonic. Oh, I didn't know there was. Yeah. One. So the band prior to that was a band called Trip Shakespeare. And they were actually pretty famous. They're from Minneapolis, Minnesota. They were active from the 80s until the early 90s. Dan Wilson and John Munson, who were the guitarist and bass player in Semisonic, were in Trip Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And I believe Dan's brother was also in Trip Shakespeare. And they did, you know, self-released albums, a couple albums, and they got signed to A&M, and they released two albums in the early 90s. The problem with Trip Shakespeare was they were a power pop band, and they were very much like Jellyfish. And it just didn't have a place in what was the hair bands going out yep. and the grunge coming in and the alter- they weren't quite alternative enough because they were kind of the quirky power pop thing. Mm. And I think it just didn't work out, but they released several albums, like I said, and you can go back and check them out. And I think they're really, really good. I don't think the labels knew how to market them. And this is kind of the same fate that Jellyfish had as well. Critics loved them. Same thing with Jellyfish. Critics mm. love Jellyfish. Musicians love Musicians it. love them. People in bands. Influence a lot of musicians and yeah. a lot of other bands, but they just didn't sell records. The, the King Crib of exactly. Times. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So after they broke up, Dan and John formed Semisonic. And honestly, Semisonic were a power pop band. But totally. But they it, embraced the alternative. Yeah. And, and, and things had changed enough. It had been late enough in the 90s because yeah. that was what, 90. 
eight ninety nine late nineties. Yeah. yeah, so it the grunge was gone. It softened. It was There's more pop. Plenty of the acoustic pop type stuff. That was that was the time for power pop. Yeah. in the late nineties. And he went on. I know that was their one hit wonder technically, but the album's great. They had a couple other minor hits. They had three good albums. Yeah, and it, then he does. He gets a lot of writing credits for other people now. I think. Yeah, he's he's a big time writer. We're going to hear some Trip Shakespeare from 1989. Cool. I didn't know there was a pre-Semisonic. This is yeah. Great. And this is from the album. You're going to like this. It's called, hope- Are You Shakespeareanced? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I showed up, Kevin. <laughs> this song is called Earth by Revolving. Fact. I was going to say, is that quirky enough for you? That What year was that? 89. 89. Okay, that sounded more like 82 or 83, like Oingo Boingo or Devo or mm-hmm. something Something really early 80s quirkiness without the keyboards and synth. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's a good call. I bet that's exactly what they were going for, too. So they, they had it all except for that, you know, 
weird ass synthesizer going off in the background. But anyway, that in 1989 they would have put in been put in the um, college rock category, right? Yeah, that was like smart people music right there. Right. I it mean, was too like cool for me. Yeah, but there's a lot of references to you know theater and mm-hmm. stuff that you had to you know digest with. I don't know. It just it, smart people probably listen to that music, not me. <laughs> <laughs> not blue collar enough for us. No, no, no. It gets a little dirty. <laughs> I still love it. I think it's really cool. And it's it's an interesting I wanna, listen. I want to hear more than that, though. Yeah. I want to go back and hear the whole album. So that was off of their last independent release. They had two albums, independent mm-hmm. releases, and then they got signed to A&M. So their two A&M albums are a little bit more focused, probably against delivering to A&M. Yeah. This but was it, just whatever the hell they wanted. This was right. them doing their this thing. This was totally self-indulgent, you could yeah. tell. But I, I can only imagine live, I bet they just packed bars, and I bet people just loved that yeah, music, just the, especially girls. Local I could just see girls game. dancing mm-hmm. to that, like, oh, man. I well, bet. I mean, Closing Time. Exactly. That was one of the songs that, you know. Yeah, I'm sure people chick, hate chick that dig. song, but that is a brilliant, brilliant song. It gets played every night, every bar, every bar. across the world, almost. Still. Yeah, still. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, genius. All right. So, speaking of like hipster chic cool bands that I heard of and didn't really know if I could listen to them, that's what we're going to talk about next. It's one of those bands that I heard about for years, but never actually heard them. Yeah. And their name is Big Star. Have you heard of Big Star? No, but I thought you were going to say they might be giants. Oh, well, that's... That's yeah. another one of those bands they that... They were quirky as hell. A lot of my really smart friends yeah. love to listen. Kenny Missile. I like and, them. Yeah, those were some quirky-ass bands. Yeah. Never quite got into those. But Big Star was from the 70s. And I always assumed that they were like some... Because they were talked about by musicians, mostly, in mm. magazines that referred to Big Star. And, oh, I was influenced by Big Star. And college radio would talk about Big Star. But I never heard the damn band. Didn't know anything about them. Never saw an album. And I just assumed they were some avant-garde, like Velvet Underground, because that was yeah. another band that they talked no. about. Velvet Underground. I didn't want to go there. I'm like, nope, that they is... They suck. <laughs> They're so bad. I love Lou Reed. Yeah, but... But Velvet Underground sucks to I've me. tried. And I'm like, wow, I guess I'm just not smart enough to listen to this band. No, it's it sucks. just not good. No, it's... <laughs> I don't get it. No, nope. but that's the same thing. I you got to really be pretentious to like that. That's what I, my theory is. You got to just think your stuff doesn't stink. Well, some people say that about Radiohead, but I love Radiohead. But their later stuff does get a little out there. Yeah. But their early stuff it rocks. But anyway, that's what I thought I was getting into with Big Star when I finally heard this band. I was like, oh, they're a power pop band, and they're from the early '70s, so they don't they're, they're not too far removed from the Stones and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and the Kinks and the the '60s British Invasion kind of stuff. They were banned from Memphis, Tennessee, formed in 1971 by guitarist Alex Chilton. And he's another one of those guys that would be talked about like, oh, I'm influenced by Alex Chilton. Yeah. Who the hell's that? Oh, I should have never heard of this guy. List. God, if we had to do it again, man, I would go back and find all those guys that I knew nothing about. <laughs> I'd always just list them. Yeah. Oh, big, yeah. big influence Look on at me. me. Yeah, yeah like, totally. King Crimson. Like, Really? He's a big influence on you? He only yeah. had two albums. <laughs> Huge. He had two Huge. albums. What's your favorite song? Um, All of them. I celebrate yeah. the entire catalog. So Big Star lasted from 71 to 74. They only had two albums. In and out. But apparently they were a major influence, like I said, on every band from the first and second wave of punk yeah. and alternative and college bands and even grunge bands, because you heard them mentioned all the time in the 90s. And they were like the darlings of the critics. So Rolling Stone, here's a quote from Rolling Stone, the quintessential American power pop band, one of the most mythic and influential cult acts in rock and roll of all time. Three of Big Star's studio albums are included in their top 500 albums of all time. Now, 
I said they only had two albums. Mm. They only released two albums while they were together. The third album came out like years after they were already gone. They swept up the floor and found some exactly. recordings. They, so get one of our staff members to go and do a search on how many times Rolling Stone magazine has referred to a band as the quintessential American power pop band. It's probably every six months, <laughs> one of the reviews. Well, they said that about The Who, and then they realized they weren't American. Oh, that's right. Damn it. Damn. So. Loopholes. When I finally did hear Big Star, I, I appreciate it. I think it is power pop. It's cool. I don't get the the overzealous accolades yeah. that they receive, but maybe I'm I just need to dig in more. But are I, we gonna hear them? We're gonna hear them. Okay, let's yeah. let, let me judge for myself here. We're, gonna, don't, we're don't, gonna listen. Don't poison the well here. All right. So this is from their first album. It is called Number One Record. And Oh, already I hate them. <laughs> No, go ahead. 1972 is when this came out, and the name of the song is When My Baby's Beside Me.
kind of want to hate them because of the buildup you did for it. I know. But they did do the claps. and They're to, really good. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to come off as I'm going to hate them just because you dicks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I did not hate them. I definitely need to listen to some more because right now I was getting a very strong Partridge Family meets Bay City Rollers vibe. But yeah, maybe that's just because all that's all we know. Pop. Yeah, that's what we saw for as far as pop music was on the TV. So here's when my we're theory. Five years old. Here's my theory because I think that I think you're right on. That's kind of what they were at the same time in England in '72. You've got the whole glam movement going on, yeah. right? You got the T Rex, the Sweet, and all that stuff going on. So I'm wondering if people think so much of them or musicians think so much of them because they never sold any records like they never got mm-hmm. big even though their sound yeah. was like could have been parts of family could have been bubblegum vanilla hit of the day and they yeah. didn't have the hit so i'm wondering if that's the reason like it's they didn't get the hit so light. therefore they're cool yeah that's just like all the bands out there they're like that but i like it i think it's really good but i don't understand the praise that they get i i never heard of them until now so that's that's me all right well, don't let me deter you from going and checking them out because they are really good. It's just I nah, always thought it was one of those bands where I'm like, but that's also a I mood hear about them. There may be a mood where like some of the Clapton stuff is like that. It's just you know jangly. It's not his. You know, it's not Layla, but it's mm. the third or fourth song on some of those albums that it's kind of a, a poppy song that he you know he's wired on you know four hits of coke and who knows what else and he just made a pop song. The uh, the sound of the guitar though did make me want to go find out. Is he playing? You think that's a telly or a strat? Because it had that. I kind of oh. think it's a telly, but I could be wrong. You are correct, sir. Yes. We'll see what movies. I mean, what videos they got on MTV. Oh yeah. wait, no, no, we can't. Do I that. don't think it's a Gibson, but you know, we'll check it out and see. Yeah, there were some beautiful guitars last night, weren't there? Oh man, they the Gibson. had some great. Oh, that the SG, Gibson. but then the huge white. Uh, that, F, I think F that hole. was a. Um, I don't think that was a Gibson. Oh, but not. Uh, no, I think it was. Uh, Oh, no, sorry. (laughs) I thought you were setting that up for some reason. I was like, what? No, no, I was trying to take that back. That was not a connection. I think it's a Gretsch. Gretsch. I think it was was. the. um, When I say, yeah, Gretsch, that was my dream guitar. Yeah. What's the name of it? A white penguin? I think that's what they call it. Oh, seriously? I think that's what they call that guitar. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. I could never have that, but it's gorgeous. Yeah. I think Elizabeth had that guitar for a minute. I don't know if she still has it. I remember that. Was it silver or white? Well, the white penguin's only white and has like this gold hardware. It's a beautiful. Oh, she had a penguin? She had. Um, I thought she had a silver work Gretsch. She does. She has. She had three Gretsch okay. guitars. Nobody cares about this conversation, but, no. that's, but that's okay. Anyway, that's half our. Yeah, podcast. she plays Gretsch. That's what she plays. Beautiful guitars. Really beautiful. All right, so we're gonna jump from 1972 all the way back to 2001. And this is a band that I discovered. Another band. We've already talked about one. But another band that I discovered on a short-lived VH1 show called Bands on the Run. Mm-hmm. Was it, how many seasons? Was it just one, one season? One season. That's right. It was so only it, one. It was a reality. I, you and I really liked that. Really loved the show. I thought it was great. It was right at the time that we were doing the same th- kind of same thing. We're starting a band. Yeah. So we've mentioned Flickerstick. It's a Texas band that kind of did kind of power pop, but mm-hmm. more alternative sounding music. Just really good stuff. They even had a little spacey S- edge yeah, to Yeah, a lot of stuff. slower uh, beats to it. It was a little drawn out. Yeah. So it wasn't as just upbeat pop, but it was still pop. Great band. We will be digging into them later. Sure. Great band. How have we gotten this far? Not done that. I know. I don't <laughs> know. We've talked about them. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. So the band we're going to play was 
sort of the band that was painted in the show as the villain, kind of the yang to Flickerstick's yin. Mm. And this band is called Soulcracker. Do you remember? Yes. Okay, so they were the guys, they were kind of played off yeah. to be, like, yeah. those guys are dicks. They were <laughs> dicks. We took down their flyers, man. That's right, they were those guys. guys that would have been us. <laughs> so if you don't know Band on the Run, go on YouTube and check it out. It was on VH1. Uh, it ran from April 2nd to... 99? I think July. It was a short season, yeah. even. It, it, 2001. 2001, okay. Um, it featured four unsigned bands, and they were all competing for this prize package of $50,000 in cash and then $100,000 in equipment from Guitar Center. Yeah. And then they also got a showcase in front of uh, record execs, which that still meant something then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so excited for that. And they got a video, a free video that yeah. was going to be aired on VH1 when that, that still, still meant mattered. Something. Yeah. <laughs> VH1 picked four independent bands. Put them on the road. Cameras falls everywhere. <laughs> we play the same towns, different venues every night. And we live on 20 bucks a day. <laughs> we only have two or three days to promote each show. Whichever band can draw the most people and make the most money will stay on tour. And the people who don't make as much money. We kicked off and sent home. And Flickerstick won it, and so that's, you yeah. know, they were obviously the best band on there. Flickerstick's amazing. Mm -hmm. But this band, Soulcracker, were really good, too. And the thing about them, I, I don't know if they were really the way that they painted them to be on the oh, yeah. program. But, you, you know, totally they, had to, the they had to make it yeah. so that one band looked like they were the villain and one band was the hero or whatever. Mm. But they're a band from Arizona. They moved to San Diego to try to make it big. And what they were doing was combining kind of their love of fishbone with the police and that was kind of their goal was to make that kind of music they come across looking like a punk and ska band i think they i want to say they had they had they had two singers they had one guy that played guitar and sang and then they had a guy who was just a singer so kind of like 311 yeah they didn't have a guy just off to the side dancing by himself though well that was the guy that was the singer guy he, but just, he, he was also singing so okay I, he had a job he, there was the band the flies i think they did the same thing there was uh, -huh. uh 311 did the same thing so yep. it was kind of a late 90s thing but i think he also played another instrument but i can't really remember i have to go back and watch the show but they they came across as looking like a punk ska band but mm -hmm. their sound was very power pop so they were a little conflicted with what they were doing and how they looked but they did come in second and they did release uh, a couple of albums they had a couple of eps before the show and then they released a full length after the show and then that was it. Yeah. I can't find anything after the show. Do you remember what did. the other two bands were? Uh, there was a, a band that was, I think, literally put together just for the show uh -huh. called Harlow. Okay, I it remember that. It was an all-female group. Uh -huh. They were all good-looking, and they were playing kind of... They were supposed to be goth. They looked goth, but they didn't sound goth. I, didn't rem I don't remember. I remember the name, but I don't remember what they sounded like. And if I remember correctly, they were like some of them were still learning how to play their instruments. Oh, great. And they, I think they outlasted the other band, which was kind of a an alti Dave Matthews ish mm -hmm. kind of sounding band called the I think it was Josh Dodd band or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But they they were the first band out, and then Harlow was the second band out, and then it came down to Soulcracker mm -hmm. and Flickerstick. But it's a good watch. It's not very long, and uh, I don't know. I really like the show, but they didn't bring it back. So I guess because all that stuff went away. Yeah, it was changing pretty quick in two thousand one. Yep. All right, so let's hear some Soul Cracker from their album, At Last For You, which happened to be their last. <laughs> Here's the song, At Last For You.
with Marvelous 3 in the sense that the guitar sounded similar, some of the cadence, the way that he was singing, but they relied on that one hook too many times. It just mm-hmm. kept repeating the same thing. They could have edited that down a little bit. Yeah, but this was in 2001-ish, right? 2001. 2001. Yeah. So by then, like we said, the landscape was changing really quickly to, you know, this was not what people wanted. They this was wanted prime new metal time. Eh, angry, angry metal. A lot of rap metal. Rap metal, all that crap. And so where Marvelous 3 had hit a sweet spot at the end of the 90s, and they were already yeah. kind of... 2001, they were out. They were out. Yeah. Where this band was just starting something that had pretty much yeah. fizzled well, out already. they were out too. Yeah. So they put this out, and then I don't see that anything happened after this came out. Yeah. Too bad. I, I thought they were really it's good. It's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. I thought they were really good. They, they could have, you know, if, if they about three years earlier, they would have had time to kind of mature a little bit musically and probably could have had a couple of hits. Yeah, but I agree with you. It's it's the longest song we're playing today and it could have been etched down yeah. to like they could have cut a, a full minute and a half off. See? <laughs> that's what I was good at. You were good at that. You were really, I was the prog guy like, "Hey, yeah. can we go for another 5 minutes?" No. Well, no, you would, minutes you out. would write the song and it'd be 5 minutes long and I'm like, "Hey, that's great. Let me uh chop, let me just chop get it. a piece of paper here and I'm going to just <laughs> draw some diagrams and we're going to see." <laughs> now it's three and a half minutes done. Yeah, you were very good at that. Yeah, but it, it and I appreciate that. Now. Well, it, it boiled. They always boiled down to great songs, and that was a great way to write: is to take a song that's just there and to see, hey, what's the best parts of it? Let's just take the best of this one song, yeah. and you end up with a great song. I prefer self indulgence, but okay, whatever. <laughs> we we were going back in that direction at the end. We never got it recorded, but <laughs> right. after we went from completely self indulgent, goofy prog, not even you know, just weird, and then we got some really good pop rock songs. And then after that, we were starting to write more like four minute songs again. Right, yep. It was going back in that direction. We had lots of vocals though coming in at the end. I remember. Yeah, some lots back, of some great, great moves, harmonies. and things. Yeah, so it, I think we might have circled back to that at some point. And we have played our band, Big Jack Pneumatic. We've played on the last two Power Pop yeah. episodes that we've done, but I'm not playing one this time. I'm yeah, going to end. I, I think we've we've done enough of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what would you call that? Um, Self gratification. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go, go with that. To We'll go listen to it later without the general public. <laughs> but I'm going to end. We've talked a lot about jellyfish, and their name always comes up whenever you hear the words power and pop put together. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, jellyfish, I love that band. Again, a band that the critics loved. Musicians seem to still reference them to this day, yet they didn't really sell that many albums and didn't last too far into the 90s. But they were definitely a force to be reckoned with. So what happened to them? Uh, they released two albums in 1990 and 1993, made a big impact on the formation of the alternative scene, and even influenced hair metal at the time. Bands like Faith No More and, and you know bands that were kind of going a little bit more alternative with their metal, they loved Jellyfish. And they Jellyfish was really uh, power pop, mostly influenced by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of quirkiness, a lot of harmonies, very Beatlesque. A quote that I read from a critic because like I said, every critic seemed to love them, which usually means I would hate them. But pretty much, you can't deny Jellyfish. They're really damn good. Here's a quote from a critic. They either arrived a decade and a half too late or were so far ahead of their time that they're still waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. That sums it up. Yeah, so that's kind of what happened. They broke up in 94 due to artistic differences. They didn't break up because they were forced to, because mm-hmm. they couldn't sell albums. They were going to probably keep going, but they couldn't get along. They couldn't agree on the direction. They did so many different styles that's crazy. of music. How, that's crazy. I can't imagine that happening. <laughs> <clears throat> um, hmm. <sighs> 
So, where did they go? A couple of the members formed a very glam rock band in the mid-90s called Imperial Drag. Huh. And they had a, a minor hit. They were played on here on 99X. Yeah. Uh, Imperial Drag was a great band. I think the hit was called Boy or Girl or Boy or a Girl, something like that. But they only had the one album and then they were kind of out. They, again, they were a little too quirky, a little too 70s glam for the Mm -hmm. mid-90s. It just didn't work out for them in the kind of grunge and post-grunge era. And then in 2017, all the way to 2017, three of the former members reunited and they formed this band called the Licorice Quartet. And they have released three EPs. All the EPs are called Threesome. So they have Threesome Volume 1, 2, and 3. They released the first one in 2020, the second one in 21, and the third one in 22. I'm hoping that they're still going to do some more stuff, but these three EPs are awesome. And it's very jellyfish. They're missing one of the primary members. Apparently, they don't get along anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Artistic differences. Yeah, yeah. But it still has that same quality that Jellyfish had. There's quirky, and I'm going to play a song called In the Meantime, Not the Space Hawk Song. Oh, okay. I like that one too. So this is from Threesome Volume 3 that came out last year, The Licorice Quartet.
What a great way to end it. That actually reminded me of the first band, mm-hmm. Sonic. Yes. And that was good quality power pop. Once again, it wasn't as formulaic, but it was there. You had some a great riff. It was danceable, jokingly. And, you know, had the thing had a little tambourine in it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'll forgive that no hand claps or. No hand claps, but. That's it, all right. It, it, very jellyfish like. It yeah, moved it to took, different places. It took, it took you on a journey. And and that's, and it, I got lost in it. When it ended, I was like, oh, crap, I got to actually talk now. Cinematic. Yeah, it of, really was. Yeah. Okay. But I'm still serve you sweet. One. That was. <laughs> Book this episode was just bookended, right? Two bands I got to go back and listen to more again, and okay. Dark Star. I got to, I got to, you know, do some more research on that to form a good opinion. What the hell did you just say? Yeah, big star. I mean, Dark Star. I'm thinking yep. Neil Diamond. Jesus. <laughs> so you're talking about Trip Shakespeare? You're gonna visit? Yeah, yeah. Every Avenue was the first band we played, but yeah, the the, the smart band that the, made me feel dumb yeah, for listening to Trip it. Trip Shakespeare. That's why I couldn't remember yeah. the name. Yeah. My IQ just lowered. Just remember. Are you Shakespeareanist? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am not. No. So that's what I got for you, man. A little, uh, a little syrupy sweet like that song. I'm not sure that I would put down the windows and blast it, but no, you know. no, no. That was more, you know, Sunday brunch time. Yeah, in the house by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, it's good music. Looking. It is really good music. Well, just, your, your wife and kids wouldn't like that music. I think they would. I think. I think your no, wife would they, like that. No, she wouldn't. She would. No, she's not into this kind of stuff at all. N- not at all. Mm-hmm. I thought she would. At least by now, you. No, it's too poppy for her. Even she after, likes like like pop today, pop like K-pop or like well, Ed, not, Ed Sheeran. Yes, exactly. Oh, that God, kind of really? stuff. Really? Yeah, I don't get. But it. she's smart. She is smart. I know. She's and smart. she likes Pink Floyd and Zeppelin. Exactly. But then but that's then where it she's is. She's listening to that crap. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, whatever. You know. We'll keep working on her. I don't know. But anyway, that's what I got for you. Yes, it was, uh, you know, mostly major chords here today. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll get back to something a little, little rougher and darker next time. You know, we got to cleanse the palate. Man. Exactly. We can't get into a, too much of a groove. All right, people. Until next time. See you later.